You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bilal Vakani at BilalV87 on Twitter. On AW Dynamite's anniversary, it's pretty clear the honeymoon is over. In this case, in Canada, AW Dynamite found itself on TSN2 for some small tennis tournament, not a major, and the Dallas Mavericks hosting the Denver Nuggets in NBA action on a Wednesday night. So my DVR was not going to tape this broadcast. It was only by sheer luck that I even got to watch AW Dynamite. The show itself opened with a video montage of Luka Doncic. No, sorry, that was the basketball game. It opened with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, along with a video package talking about Jericho and Dean Ambrose. I'm sorry, John Moxley. Why these promos were in this order and not the other way around, I don't know. We then went to ringside where Dave Brown, a Memphis legend of wrestling who I've never heard of, was the fourth commentator for one match. Okay. He didn't really add anything. Like, it wasn't bad, but he wasn't good. He was useless. We opened with Hangman Page, which which I like going right to this. Uh, Kenny Omega taking on Private Party based on that random poorly mic'd beer encounter from last week, which I forgot happened, to be honest. Not that they really made that, I think, even part of the video package before. It does turn out that Cassidy, I think that's his name in Private Party, not that these guys have been set up uh, as much more than this team, is great at screaming when he's chopped. Now, there were some sort of crossfire chemistry issues with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, but boy, oh be- boy, they, they only showed up past the halfway point. So for the first half of this match, these guys are the perfect team. And then all of a sudden, they start having problems. But after all that, they shook hands. At this point, Dave Brown was dismissed. And then we went to the big board, and Pac was, once again, I guess actually this time, he was actually attacking Michael Nakazawa as opposed to just sneaking up on him and then probably turning and walking away, I can only imagine. So, uh, you know, he wanted a match. I forget if it's with Kenny. I imagine it's with Kenny. It's not even clear in this instance, but I'm pretty sure it's with Kenny Omega. And Hangman Page kind of tapped Kenny to go get him. And as Kenny ran out to get him, Hangman Page stayed behind and had beer with fans through the pitcher of pitcher. Kind of a weird choice, but... To each his own. Uh, it doesn't... I don't know. This is like a lot of things tonight going to drag on way too long. We then had Brandy Rhodes on commentary. Brace yourself. As Chris Statlander took on Rio in a uh, big retcon of the women's division. And for the women's title, no less. Brandy said she wasn't interested in this match. And that she was invited on commentary. And she would leave if asked. Not a good way to really get into this match early on. There was a pitcher-in-pitcher right after a near fall, and that near fall uh, was joined by many more during the pitcher-in-pitcher, including, I think, an electric chair. I didn't fully pay attention because it was the damn pitcher-in-pitcher. Brandy had some cheap heat where she went after Excalibur for his lucha mask, and we just saw Rey Mysterio with this, doing this with Andrade on Raw. Um, And some of the stuff she said was just dumb. Like, uh, do you shower with that thing? What is she, five? You know, like, you just saw how the Mandalorian on Disney Plus paid so much reverence to a masked person and genuinely explored this in such a thought-provoking, smart, emotional way. And here's Brandy with the level of intelligence of a teenager. Unbelievable. Um, 
we had cuts to uh, Hiroki Sakara. They haven't really set her up well enough for me to learn her name. And Britt Baker. Why a, a face and a heel? Who I guess we're both contenders. We're sitting ringside uh, with each other. I'm not sure. And where Nyla Rose was in all this, I guess she just said the week off or she just fell asleep. I don't know. The Nightmare Collective did come out during this match. They attacked Chris. Uh, Brandy left commentary to create a distraction. The uh, bald member, who we later found out was Luther, that wasn't really set up too well until now. I guess this was the big reveal. Uh, came out, and essentially what happened was just as Chris was about to slap Brandy, who had come down from ringside, Luther had snuck out from under the ring and blocked the punch. Kong then hit her with a clothesline. Rio had sort of a chance to uh, pin Statlander a little later, but instead she attacked Luther first and got in the ring. And it seemed like this would help Statlander as she sort of set up for her Tombstone Piledriver type finish. I forget how it goes. We didn't see it tonight. And instead, she was pulled out by Kong. Rio didn't really see this, but got the roll-up. And then after the match, Kong ran in the ring to attack Chris Statlander, not Rio. Rio decided after quite a bit of time, like way too much, to make the save. At which point Mel, who from what we understood was just a fan who joined this group, attacked Rio and kicked her ass quite easily. Uh, but then Hiroki Sahara came out to make the save. Britt Baker was shown sort of getting up and then sitting back down, almost like she forgot her cue. And this was a very awkward cut. But then after this had settled down, Sunny Kiss, who I forgot was part of this division, and I guess it was good they were there, along with Swole, who I also forgot was part of this, uh, came up way after it would have been helpful, but sort of as a numbers game. Uh, I don't know if this leaves Britt Baker with the Nightmare Collective. But this all, uh, I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like Rio should be champion. I feel like they should have given it to Statlander. Could have done all the stuff with the Nightmare Collective after, and we'll get another match out of this. But I just sort of, nothing here, you know, really did much for me. You know, this was a step in the right direction, but just kind of a half step, half step. We got a, a video package on super bad Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford of all people. Are you kidding me? Of all the superstars and, and uh, whatever you call them, all the wrestlers you have on this roster, these were the two you want me to learn about? Super bad. I'd rather learn about the movie character Super Bad. We got this basic, very basic video package that basically ended with the low blow on Joey Janela. And it took the commentators after this package to explain there was a relation, a past relationship there. But I was just like, oh, okay. We also had uh, some guy from Shinedown was in the crowd. This was just pathetic Z-level celebrity stuff. If you're going to show celebrities in the crowd, they damn well better be good. Better be Jack Nicholson or somebody I care about. I don't care about the guy I never knew of was in Shinedown. Whatevs. We also had Christopher Daniels taking on Sammy Guevara for the first time ever. As the backstory, they showed video of C Christopher Daniels' uh, botch several times. Not sort of the promo that Guevara sort of cut on him backstage. This was sort of an odd choice to me. It just made Daniels look like a smoke. Uh, we also found out it was Jerry the King Lawler's birthday. I thought that was actually a nice touch by JR. Classy, but still acknowledging uh, Jerry the King Lawler while they're in Memphis and, and their great history. So that I liked. But back to this match. One of the Lucha Bros, whoever the botch occurred to, came out to cha challenge Daniels to do a moonsault. 
And instead of him confronting his fear, which would have been the central moment of the match, he just turned around and lost. Which I was incredibly disappointed of, which could probably disappointed in. This could sum up my, the entire night of AW Dynamite. The Dark Order then came out because that wasn't enough of Christopher Daniels, apparently. Evil Uno, who sounds like Shark Boy from Impact Wrestling, if you remember that, said AEW doesn't believe in Christopher Daniels. That was probably fair. And he's lo- and he said something to the effect of Daniels had talked about losing a step, and he offered him a mask and a chance to join uh, the Dark Order. And to put this only a couple segments after the Nightmare Collective was not a good choice. But moving on, obviously Daniels rejected the mask. The Dark Order then went on to beat him up, but SCU and the Young Bucks made the save, which uh, I, I'm okay with that. Then the next thing we got was the Lucha Bros, one of which had just come out to interrupt the last match, were in a match with Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes. I'm just going to call them the Rhodes Bros along with Arn Anderson. And I will, before I break this down even more, I, I want to shout out Cody for his uh, NSW shirt for the Northwestern, I, I forget, but it's for the Australia Fires. Uh, and certainly, if you're an AEW fan or you just want to do something nice uh, in the world of wrestling for uh, those affected by the fires, certainly, I will say go to AEW Wrestling. I believe it's .com. Uh, it might be through a third-party t-shirt site. Hopefully, Cody's tweeted that out. And I actually, I'm going to retweet that personally at Blobby87 because that, those fires, are they're horrific and I, I actually have a lot of respect for cody for doing that and i actually wish the wwe would do something similar if they were going to copy anything from AEW dynamite back to this match arn anderson kicked the chair away from one of the lucha bros i thought this was a pretty cool spot a little you know this the force at which arn anderson shooed this chair away wasn't very convincing but the idea was quite good but then there was a hot tag where the Lucha Bros had the tag, and then for about 30 seconds, they just waited for Cody to be tagged in before anything happened. That was embarrassing. Uh, after the win, because of course the Rhodes family won, Tony was going to interview Cody to talk about MJF's uh, stipulations. Arn Anderson jumped in, and he said, we'll get back to you next week. And this, quite rightfully, got a crap ton of booze, because it was just them switch stretching stuff out. Up next, uh, Lanny Poffo uh, was joined by Alex Marbez. They were talking sort of uh, about the Memphis Legends, and they wrote, worked it into the current product. But this was this was quite nice, quite heartfelt, and quite genuine. Uh, so so shout out to Lanny Poffo and Alex Marbez. I wish we got more of this realness and just respect from AEW Dynamite. Quite a fan of this, and we, of course, went in the opposite direction as far as we humanly could, which I thought was. I guess at some level it was clever, but uh, with what followed, it really wasn't. MJF came out with Wardlow. He went out to, um, to cut a promo. Now, when we came back from break, so we saw the entrance. We came back. They cut off MJF, um, so that was a mistake. He called out Cody, who was just in the ring. You had a whole match to get out there. Uh, he had some lazy, cheap heat. He did some swears, which you can't even really hear with how crappy their audio production is. And this is more of the same with MJF. And I want to say this. MJF, I guess if you've never seen a roast battle, seems like a really clever guy. But he's not. For Okay, in wrestling circles, he's above average. But he's not The Miz. He's not Daniel Bryan. He's not a great... Like, I just... He's got one gear. 
And it's not even that good. Anyways, my friend DDP came out because somebody had to come out. But as much as I love DDP, had him on our Sirius XM show, and I have his number. I might even text him about this later. I probably won't. Way too much yoga. <laughs> Way too much. His entrance video, DDP yoga. His t-shirt, DDP yoga. He got a yoga chant going in the crowd. It's product placement. <clears throat> to the point where the commentators even joked about it. But he said he had one match left in him. MJF said he had somebody... Uh, it wouldn't be him having that match. It would be his friends. <clears throat> Out came the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny. DDP. After MJF made some more comments about his daughters. He basically owned the Blade and the Butcher. And it took a low blow from MJF. Off pushing him into Wardlow. And it looked like nobody was going to help DDP. And then finally, QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes came out. But again, if you're QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes and you're worried about DDP, would you not just be standing by, ready to go, the second you see the blade and the bunny? How does so much transpire before you come down there? It just didn't work for me. Uh, I'll get into this a little bit more later because the match was made. But this was, again, taking that Cody... MJF thing and stretching it to its limit and I just don't care we got a six-man tag next with Jurassic Express taking on the best friends and Orange Cassidy I really do love these two teams there was a commercial break and I must say I started this show 16 minutes late and was catching up on my DVR I was caught up at this point so I don't know what it is but there was a crap ton of commercials and Whatever picture picture I saw, I was not impressed. Except for the last one with uh, Sammy Guevara. That was good. <clears throat> there was a great spot with Luchasaurus and Orange Cassidy. And to my surprise, the Jurassic Express got the win here. And yeah, it was good. I like these teams. I enjoy this quite a bit. Because I've gotten enough of all six of these men to be invested. Including uh, Chuck Taylor, I think, was on AW Dark as a commentator uh, yesterday. And that was quite good. In two weeks, at the Rock and Wrestling Rager, I paused a couple of times to make sure I got that right, we're going to see Jurassic Express taking on Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz. This seems like a month too late, but okay. Then next week at Bash at the Beach, which, again, it seems like a regular Impact episode they're going to theme, we're going to get Darby Allen versus Pac for... I don't know why, to be honest. I can't figure this one out just because they need something to do. Before Kenny Omega versus Pac. Again, stretching stuff out. We're also going to get Chris Statlander and Hiroki, whatever her last name is, taking on Kong and Mel, who I still don't really think she's a professional wrestler because all we've seen is her come out of the crowd, get a haircut, and join this group. There's no backstory there. And Brandy will be in their corner, of course. And we'll get MJF, the Butcher, and the Blade taking on DDP... Dustin Reynolds, or Rhodes, and QT Marshall. I'm not sure why Cody isn't a part of this. All right. I don't know. Doesn't seem that great, to be honest. With 12 minutes left in the show, Jericho showed up to talk to John Moxley, gave uh, Dean Ambrose, as I like to call him, a big intro. And John said, and by that I mean Moxley, he didn't want anything he was offered. He couldn't be bought. So his answer was yes, because he wanted to dominate at AEW. Obviously, I already was pretty suspicious. John winked at the camera about halfway through the segment, which 
I appreciated, but made it feel like forever before he finally gave gave up the bit here. He got the keys to the car, which was only worth 750k. So clearly somebody corrected Jericho because I think he said it was multiple millions of dollars. And Jericho did connect their Tokyo to the Renz in Tokyo, which I quite appreciated. Dean once uh, Haggard, not Haggard, Swagger, Hager, and Sammy Guevara were out of the ring. Told Jericho he was kidding. He would never join. And broke a bottle over his head and went through the crowd and that was it. I, I, I don't know. This, it's had moments, but I, it didn't really do it for me. And that's kind of how I feel about this whole card. The good thing is the Revolution pay-per-view is around the corner. Obviously things will start to come to fruition. But man, oh man, it feels like we're a long, long way away from that. And I look at the NXT show, uh, the take TakeOver show, coming up this Sunday. And I'm more invested in NXT UK than... It was an NXT UK show, I don't think I said that before. Than I am in AEW Dynamite. And that's a problem. The fact that TSN is sticking this on TSN2, which is a digital select channel, it's not a good sign. Especially when they're putting a non-major tennis tournament on TSN1 and they're putting the Dallas Mavericks and the Denver Nuggets on three other channels and they're sticking AEW Dynamite on TSN2 which is the specialty channel so the fans are booing the broadcasters are starting to push back as I said earlier it's AEW Dynamite's anniversary and the honeymoon period is over. I've been Bilal Bakani. You can tweet me at BilalV87 on Twitter. And that's it. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.